0: Log Talk Radio. Eight,
1: eight, eight, eight.
2: off our annual field of 33 and we are going to break down every single entry every single qualification uh in our annual special today tony donahue with the tony d podcast and burnoutsports.com going to join us and help us break that down and then later on at the end of this hour uh we'll, we'll be having steve wilson of speedway digest breaking down what's happening out in charlotte well We call it the double. So uh, what's going on this weekend in NASCAR uh, in the second half of the show uh, with uh, Steve Wilson from um, uh, Editor-in-Chief of Speedway Digest and our official NASCAR contributor. My name's Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right after this, and we're going to get things going on this Field of 33 special. Morning, face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda.
3: Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is oh, that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run. No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks
4: hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got maids.
2: Ow, oh, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a
0: reason.
1: Fresh roasted, so, I um, don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le pique, which, of course, in the Indonesian language, oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And right? then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? I mean, it's all right. Are they... Investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes?
4: Yeah, tons of causes—veterans causes and first
1: responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. You have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just gonna order it. They make it freshly roasted. Okay. Right. Black Rifle Coffee. It's good.
2: Indianapolis Speedway is a sentimental place for all its accent on technical excellence and harsh reality. That sentiment was personified by the much-admired owner of the track, Tony Holman, who died last autumn. There's been a lot of speculation and some mystery this month as to who would succeed Tony to utter the words, gentlemen, start your engines. New president Joe Clotier said he would not be the one but he would not reveal who it would be. Well, most appropriately, it is going to be the widow of Tony Holman. Mary Holman. There's Mrs. Holman now, obviously moved by this moment.
3: Lady, lady and gentlemen, start your engines. All
2: right, welcome back to the ballots. Man, that is a blast from the past. And if you've been coming to the track at all my entire life I've been coming. That that voice is phenomenal with the track. Obviously Mary hum and George. Joining us now Tony Donahue, Tony D podcast, burnoutsports.com. Tony, happy uh race eve to you, sir. Hey, thanks, Tom. How you doing? Oh, fantastic. Great to uh catch up with you yesterday out at the track. We uh, hung out at the due to the rain, uh, uh, uh Caesars was nice enough to have a lounge. You you, you can't blame them for that. So of course we had to do some betting uh, inside inside of there. But you know, I think that's actually a pretty cool partnership. And you know, we didn't have the most pleasant carb days yesterday. It was a lot of a lot of fun, uh, but. You know, we tried to stay for the Rick Springfield concert, but I think we're a little too old to stand out there in the rain and, and dance in the in the mud. Uh, but w- what we saw of it was 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 fantastic. Car Day was fun. It was just great to see all the fans come out. As as we know, it's been uh, over three years since they've had all the activities, the parade, Car Day, everything, in, in full capacity at the the track this week. So that's. Uh, something special uh, So what were your thoughts overall over Carb Day We'll get into uh, our some uh, talk off From the, the track yesterday And uh, what's going on On the track tomorrow
4: um, Yeah I don't know If there was a question there but I thought Carb Day Was very interesting you know you got to fight off the reins Like you mentioned um, And and you know I, I, I just looked at Carb Day As look why go out there And risk it too much and I thought a lot of these guys would just be would just be calm, right? We saw Rins, V.K., Ed Carpenter, and Connor Daly bring their cars in about 45 minutes early because there really wasn't too much to gain, knowing that tomorrow's track conditions are going to be nothing like they were yesterday. It was chillier, windy yesterday, cloud cover tomorrow, sunny, high of 84, a little bit more slippery racetrack. So, um, you know, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know. David Malukas into the wall, and then 15 minutes later it was Colton Herta, And and that's just the risk that I was thinking about. Like, why risk your race car for a Mm -hmm. practice session that really probably won't help you on Sunday? So I was very surprised at the action that we saw. I mean, look, obviously it was good for the fans, including myself. You want to see some action on Carb Day. But, you know, I just thought the risk-to-reward ratio yesterday wasn't there. And, you know, you waited and waited and waited to go out, and you finally go out about an hour and a half later and it, it it ruined a really good race car from Colton Hurta and a pretty good race car from David Malucas even though I think they'll refix they'll they'll re prepare um, Malucas' car, but Colton's certainly gonna have to go to a backup car for that scary flip. Oh
2: absolutely I'm I'm glad you brought that up. I certainly was on my notes here to talk about Colton Herda in a I mean wow I was just we were talking just a few years ago, just a few years ago, that would have been a deadly crash. It was so scary, and they when they were having a hard time getting the car back over, and I thought, oh man is he going to be conscious with you then he was able to get out on his own on his own free will and then you know speak to reporters at the Infield Care Center after the event i mean it uh it was a it was a scary, scary event, and would you agree that just a few short years ago that would have been horrific? A lot worse than what we're talking about now.
4: Well, I think it's it's it just shows the last twenty years of development of the safer barrier, um, and, and and how that softens some of the blows to the G forces. I mean, I I think he still pulled what do you say forty to fifty G's when he hit. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the car crazy. just snapped loose, and, and a lot of the Andretti guys have talked about all all month. The car just snapping at about two thirty, where the wheel just kind of snaps on you, and he couldn't get it corrected. Upside down, he went. Um, yeah, yeah, the, the arrow screen really obviously protected him. Um, that roll hoop, been there for a very long time, helped protect him as well. So, um, like you said, you know, it's crazy to think you see that kind of accident. And then, you know, in his, in his interview, he said, I want to get back out there right now. I wish I had a backup car to go do it that was prepared for the oval. So, I'll be in a backup car tomorrow. You hope – it, it's kind of a cross your, cross your fingers when you send them out because you haven't been able to test it. You haven't been able to – uh, make sure everything works, you know, and that's what a lot of yesterday was about in Carved day. Make sure the radios work. Make sure that all of your tools inside of the car work, the weight jacket works, um, you know, everything just just right. But they're not going to know that until they pull off tomorrow for the parade lap. So uh, it'll be uh, – I'm sure that first set for Colton Hurdle will be very interesting uh, and very on edge to make sure that everything is correctly how he wants it. Now, we're going to get into all the qualifying cars and their positions, but the way
2: I understand it, you qualify the car, and the car was already been qualified, so even though he's got to have a new car and a backup car, he, he doesn't move to the rear. Am I correct or
4: does he stay? he stays in that position that he's currently qualified at, correct? Yeah, he, he will keep his spot, as will David Malukas, even if you go to a backup car, um, you know, you're, you're qualified, you're set, so he won't go to the back of the field. Um, I personally am not a fan of the rule. I think if you change cars or ch- if it's a driver change, you do have to go to the back of the field. Uh, so the driver qualifies the position. I wish it was the car, um, but Colton Hurdle will be back in tomorrow. looks like he's at the autograph session today. I'm sure we'll see him at the parade later on today. So um, yeah, it looks like he's pretty much been cleared of his concussion protocol. I'm sure there'll be an evaluation this afternoon, about 24 hours after uh, just to double-check, make sure everything's good, pointed in the right direction, and he should be good to go for tomorrow's race. Well, that's fantastic
2: to, to hear and to see. I certainly know Colton Hurd is a, 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 a fan favorite out there at the track. Another fan favorite, uh, Joseph Newgarden wins the, the pit stop challenge, and that was a, a carb day tradition that was able to go on, and that was a lot of fun to be out there in the stands and watch the – uh, pit stop challenge—that is just so much fun. But Joseph Newgarden uh, takes that away. Uh, not a lot to analyze. It's a pit stop challenge. It is what it is. But it's always to see that happen. Do you, you have any takeaways on that? But I guess I a better question—we're going to get to our picks later on. Uh, but a better question: Joseph Newgarden is 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 good all the way around, and that showed me yesterday that he's got a fantastic top of the line pit crew that can get the job done tomorrow.
4: Yeah, I um, you know, when I was watching the pit stop competition, uh, and I thought about this, you know, there'll probably be five drivers tomorrow that have they'll have their days completely ruined on pit road. We saw Steph Wilson last year lock him up coming in, wreck his car. We seen we saw Ed Carpenter have a really bad stop last year on his first on his first pit sequence, and that shuffled him all the way back to twenty ninth, and it took him the remaining one hundred and seventy five laps to recover to a fifth place finish and. And, you know, that six to seven seconds that he lost on pit road was so hard to gain back because there wasn't a lot of yellows. There's only one or two more yellows the rest of the way. Um, so the pit stop competition just shows, you know, I mean, Sage Karam lost his back rear tire and spun during the pit stop competition. Um, Dixon had a had a had a right front that was loose when he pulled away. Um, so, yeah, you've got to be perfect for those seven, eight pit stops, and, and, and it, could, it could ruin your day quickly. We obviously saw it with Graham Rahal last year. He was in a warm-up lane coming back onto the track after his pit sequence and lost the back rear tire that obviously flew in the air and then ended up ruining Connor Daly's day as well. So, um, you know, unfortunately tomorrow we will see probably four to five drivers that days are uh, ruined by, by bad pit stops.
3: All right, guys,
2: let's get into the uh, field of 33. We'll start with row 11. We just talked about Stefan Wilson. Looks like he's going to be starting in the 33rd position. I don't have a four-lap average for him, but then we have Jack Harvey, four-lap average of 226.851, and Christian Longard, four-lap average uh, in the Honda number 34-lap average of 227.053. Uh, Tony Donahue, Tony, uh, the podcast in uh, BurnoutSports.com is going to help us break down the field of
4: 33. We start with row 11. Uh, Tony, what do you say about row 11? Yeah, I mean, look, if you're if you're those guys, you're going to have to pounce to start make some moves. Uh, fortunately for a guy like Jack Harvey, who has a pretty good car in race trim. He's got a teammate in Christian Lungar next to him, even though he's a rookie. So I think you'll see Harvey probably lead that row in the turn one. Um, you know, and there's just so much turbulent air there. You're kind of hanging on for dear life those first couple of laps. But just just get your car right where you need. And, and, and then maybe you see some of these guys towards the back couple of rows pit a little bit earlier, uh, maybe do the undercut. There's an under and an overcut. The undercut is where you come in pretty much before the rest of the field does. And then hopefully there's a the yellow and you can cycle up towards the front. Um, some guys do the overcut where you wait and try to make, it, make, make that fuel last an extra two to three laps over a stent. So I think you'll see different varying strategies. Um, I don't think either of these three guys are going to win. But Steph Wilson and Jack Harvey had really good cars in a race trim on Monday and, and, and yesterday's practice. So, uh, you know, I think you'll see those guys charge towards the front. I don't think there'll be contenders to win. Let's move up to row number 10. Obviously, no stranger to the
2: Indianapolis Motor Speedway and uh, champion of all all accounts. uh, One hop Montoya with a four-lap average of 228.622. A little surprised with him this year. One, because of his experience. And and two, earlier on uh, this month, he was showing a lot of promise. I was really kind of wondered why he qualified at 30th, but he's in the race, and it's certainly good to see him there. Then we got Dalton Kelton. Four-lap average, 228.916. And then Kyle Kirkwood, four-lap average, 229.406. Uh,
4: row 10, what do you say there, sir? Yeah, Montoya has had really good speed. they just worked on their race setup. I think he just missed the qualifying setup. He could charge his field. Kellett's got to keep out of the wall. Kyle Kirkwood's an up-and-coming talent. Um, he just needs to learn how to go 500 miles. Um, he obviously wrecked out of Texas, so just – just keeping it clean and and moving forward. So row nine, Tom, I mean, is very interesting. You've got Elio, Scott McLaughlin, and Colton. Oh, oh yeah. I had, had one of the best cars in practice um, on Monday. And then obviously the accident yesterday we just talked about. We'll see how long it takes for him to get comfortable in that car. McLaughlin is fast. You can never count on a Penske car, even though he's starting 26. The and Castroneves, last year's winner, done from back there. Um, but he's. It's, it's going to take all five. It's probably going to take 475 miles for Elio to get up towards the front. So um, watch for him to be on the charge too. And then um, you got a very interesting hard charging row eight as well. And
2: you do absolutely. Going back to Elio Castroneves, Nevis, obviously a fantastic win last year. You can never count him out. He's part of a very elite club to have won uh, four uh Indianapolis five hundreds. So it's really good to see him in the race. And I know everybody loves to to root for LEO. I, I, I saw a lot of LEO and a lot of Colton uh jerseys at the track yesterday. I worry about Colton's uh car, but we'll see what happens. But that's the row to watch. And you mentioned row eight. We've got uh Devon Francisco uh am sure I ripped mispronounced that four lap average two thirty point three two six uh, Marco, you know, we talk about Marco. That seems to be the only time of the year we talk about Marco. Marco's the an Andretti that hasn't won the Indy 500. There's that shadow that, that comes over that with him. I know he asks he asks, is asked that question every year. Is this going to be the year where you finally get your Indy 500 win? I tend to believe that this is not going to be the year for that. So we'll see what happens with Marco and Sage Karam. like Sage Karam. I've always liked him. And You know, he's a very, very strong driver, four-lap average, Uh, 230.46. Let's move up to row number seven, and this is where uh, things start to get fun. Graham Rahal, Rahal, four-lap average of 230.76. Alexander Rossi, four-lap average, 230.812. And Callum Alavut, again, I, I mispronounced it, so I'll just follow on the story there. Four-lap average, 230.961. And as we know in the past, uh, Alexander Rossi knows how to control that field, knows how to work his gas, knows how to manipulate that track to his advantage. Alexander Rossi is one that I'm watching to come out out front, maybe not early, but certainly come out and and lead some laps. And and I'm not saying he's going to be my pick to win the Indianapolis 500, but Alexander Rossi, as you know, is one to keep your eyes on. And, you know, got to root for Graham Hall. I mean, Graham Hall obviously been around for many, many years. He's got a, a great racing family, both on his in-law side and on, on the racing side. And he's great. He does a lot for the troops. He just He's just an overall great guy to talk to, an overall
4: fun driver to watch. So, row seven, what are your takeaways? Yeah, I mean, it's going to be a hard-charging row. Um, and I think you've got to throw Sage Karam in there of guys that are going to go to the front. Um, Sage is aggressive early. Graham knows how to get there and be there at the end. Um, he, he hasn't qualified well at the 500. Uh, you know, one time in 2020, he did, but 2019, he was charging hard last year. He came from towards the back of the field. Rossi is a guy who's angry. He's about to get a new contract from McLaren. Um, he's going to be charging towards the front. Tell him lot is very aggressive. He's a quick driver. He's a rookie, um, but he's got a lot to learn over 500 miles.
2: Yeah. It's going to be a lot of fun to watch. Um, was it, it- Uh, Alex Pelot just got a new uh, contract, didn't he? Pato Award. Pato Award. So, sorry. Three years. That's a pretty good uh, leap of faith uh, for the racing team. What are your thoughts on on that
4: uh, contract alone, Pato Award? He deserves it.
2: Well-deserved.
4: Yeah, the guy wins races. He's a hell of a talent. Um, You know, he's going to be able to test some Formula 1 for McLaren, and and, and that kind of gives you the option if you're McLaren to say, okay, we're going to keep an Indy car or we're going to move you over to Formula 1 depending on – you know what happens with Daniel Ricardo um, and his contract situation. Um, you know, and I think that he's a guy that can win the Indianapolis 500. He finished top five here last year. He's won on the Noble at Texas last year, and he's already got a race win under his belt this year. So certainly well deserved uh, for young Pato Award, who is still 22 years old.
2: As we move up to row six, uh, fan favorite local boy from Noblesville, Indiana. Connor Daly, obviously, have a a racing pedigree within his family as well. He's not always had the best luck here at the Indianapolis uh, Speedway, but as we talked about last week, Connor Daly has did a lot, uh, paid his dues. Uh, Now he's finally got a really good team behind him at Carpenter Racing, so just going to be really exciting to see what Connor Daly can do. you know, I would not be surprised if he's not in the top five, if not on the podium. So, Connor Daly, uh, four-lap average, 230.999. J.R. Hillebrand, love to watch him. And, again, we talked about the ghosts that haunt him uh, on the final stretch there where he almost won the Indianapolis 500. Could see the checkered flag in, in sight when he hit the wall. So, J.R.R. R. Hillebrand is due. Simon Patajan, you got to love him. Former Indianapolis 500 champion, 231.275. Great storylines in row six. What are your thoughts?
4: Yeah, um, very interesting. Real Connor is going to be aggressive. We know that he's fast. That 20 car can be quick. Simon Pagano knows how to win this race. He probably ran the best race of anybody last year, knowing that he charged all the way up to a third-place finish from starting back. In 24th. is going to be there. Like, this is a team that we know last year has won the Indianapolis 500. He's back with his team at Elio Castro Nevis. And J.R. Hildebrand is a very methodical, probably the smartest driver, Uh, may not have the equipment underneath him that he needs to win the race, but he certainly is smart enough um, to maybe outrun his own car and finish in the top ten. So um, I like this row. I think you'll see – I think you'll hear a lot from these three drivers throughout the day.
2: Let's let's go ahead and and, and move on up to row five. Uh, Santonio Ferrucci. Sorry, I'm not good with names. Uh, Four-lap average. Santino Ferrucci. Pardon me? Santino Ferrucci. Ferrucci, that's right. Okay, so sorry. Uh, And then Joseph Newgarden. I tell you what, this is a guy I'm keeping my eyes on. He is due for an Indianapolis 500 win, he's been winning game uh, winning games, he's been winning races. He has the guy that you have seen grow up at the track. You like to say in 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 relationship like, like he grew he was a kid now he's a man, and you've seen him grow up at the track and it's his time uh, to drink the milk. And I tell you what, I haven't made my picks yet, but he's in my thoughts of uh, for consideration. Uh, and then David Malukas, uh, we saw a lot of stuff that we talked about earlier with him yesterday. He seems to me, and maybe this is a hot take, and if it is, then, you know, it is what it is. He seems to me like he's a lot of aggression, a very aggressive type driver, very good driver, but is going to take maybe some unnecessary chances, and the Indianapolis 500 is not the time to do that. Row 5,
4: what are your thoughts? Perucci is aggressive, and, again, him and Malukas were involved in that accident yesterday where I think Ferrucci just raced him a little bit too hard, knowing this is the guy that's going to be in my row. Um, Ferrucci turned in on him while Lucas made the move, had the move almost completed uh, before that accident happened. You know, I think you're going to lean towards picking Joseph Dugard the way you're sounding, Tom, but until he can prove that he can be a contender, I can't pick him to win. I mean, outside of 2016 where he finished third and was still outlasted by Rossi, who was on strategy, and Carlos Munoz, who had the better car, um, it's hard for me to pick Newgard. Yes, he's a great talent. He's a champion of the series. He's already won twice this year. Um, but Indy, the Indy 500 has just been his Achilles heel. And until he can prove that he's a contender to, to lead laps and, and, and win the race, it's hard for me to take him.
2: we look at row four in today's Legends Day, uh, which is a fantastic event down there at the track. And, yes, you have to be out, out of the race for a while to be a part of what we call Legends Day. But I, I want to call this row for this year legend's row. we got Jimmy Johnson. I mean, how many times has he won the NASCAR championship? And to think of him as a rookie is just mind-baffling. you got Will Power, who's, who's you know, a, 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 an IndyCar champion. He's 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 accomplished it all. He did it all. And then Sato. I mean, man, Sato just has been fun to watch over the years. Of course, he's a, a former Indianapolis 500 champion as well. Row four. Legends Day, this is Legends Row right here, Row 4.
4: Yeah, you know, Johnson's going to have to keep it clean. He's had a lot of moments this month where, um, you know, if he does, you know, in the race might come back to haunt him. Um, so he's going to have to be clean. He's going to have to hit his marks. Um, he's been on edge all month, <laughs> Excuse me. possibly wrecking the car. So keep it clean if you're Jimmy Johnson. You know you got a good crew behind you. you got a good team behind you. Just keep that car pointed in the right direction and all four tires on it. And you might have something to say at the end of the day, um, you know, will power. Sorry, excuse me. Uh, will power a no, guy that look, he's kind of leading the Penske charge right now. You know, McLaughlin and Newgard are a little bit further back. Um, power can win this thing. He's been quick. He knows how to get it done. It just seems like, however, something always goes wrong uh, outside of the one year that he wants. Something always goes wrong and ends up costing power his day. And I love Sato. Sado's aggressive. Um, he's fast. That car is a lot faster than the 10th place it's going to start. Look for him to be on the charge, starting on the outside of the row. Look for Sado to make moves on that opening start um, and then settle in from there. As long as, again, Dale Coyne's big crew can keep him in the, in the running, he'll, be, he'll have a chance to win it.
2: Joining us now also Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. We're getting ready to merge from this conversation into talking to Charlotte. Uh, But, uh, Steve, how are you? You're going to join us for the last three rows on the field of 33. How are you doing, sir?
3: I'm doing pretty good. How about yourself?
2: Fantastic. It's it's, uh, the eve of the Indianapolis 500. It's Christmas. Uh, here in Indianapolis. Uh, joining us also, though, is Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and in uh, BurnoutSports.com to help us uh, break down the final three rows here. Let's start with this. Romain Grosjean, he's won at Indianapolis, not the 500, but he's certainly won in Indianapolis with the Grand Prix. Felix Rosenquist has won at Indianapolis, not the Indianapolis 500. Pottawa Ward, again, we talked about his contract extension, has all the makings to win at Indianapolis. Row three, I think we could see at least a podium finisher, if not a winner,
4: out of that row. What are are your thoughts, Tony? Yeah, I mean, like you said, Grosjean and Rosenquist have have pole positions on the road course at the Speedway. Um, You know, Felix is a guy that has qualified really well all year, but it's faded throughout the race. So that kind of worries me. Grosjean has never done 500 miles. He's been on edge all month. Um, We've seen some very, very close calls out of him, Uh, so that kind of scares me. And Pato's fast. Pato's got to stay up front. Um, He's got maybe one of the top five pit crews up and down pit road. Um, If he could stay up front, he's going to have a chance.
2: Steve, you got anything on row three?
3: No, I don't. don't. (laughs) I'm going to let you guys go at this one.
2: Well, we're gonna do it, but we're gonna make sure that we get your your uh, IndyCar pick here in just a, a few minutes. Row two, Tony Kanon, Mr. TK, love him, have loved him for years, and man, I I just remember all the different cars he's driven for. Tony Canon. to see him in row two at a, at a four lap average of two thirty two point three seven two. Marcus Erickson, I like him. Here we go, Ed Carpenter, Ed Carpenter. <laughs> The the guy who's been on the pole or close to being on the pole so many times, man, what a fast car he's got this year, for or lap average of two thirty three point zero four eight zero, and to put this in context, on practice and in qualification practices, we now saw him hitting well close to two forty. So, I like Ed Carpenter again. This is the guy who did it all, been there, did it all, hometown uh, guy to win the Indianapolis 500 would just be awesome and historic. Fan favorite. Uh, Tony, what are, your, what are your thoughts on row two?
4: Yeah, row two is tough. Uh, row two, you've got Tony and knows how to get it done, and it's probably his his last best chance to win the 500. He thought he had that a few years ago when he was with Ganassi again, and even when he was with Foyt and had a really good car in 17 um erickson is mr consistent uh, he's never won on an oval but he's, he's going to be around at the end of tomorrow and ed carpenter would be an absolute fan favorite he's super fast he knows how to get around this track as long as his pit crew can give him seven good stops i think ed is, is is good enough to win this race he's good enough to not make mistakes and he's good enough to be there at the end well
2: that i, I tell you what that would be an awesome win for me to watch as well so let's talk about row number one. We, we've made it to row number one, and these three guys have just proved to be absolute monsters on the track. Let's talk about Renis VK. He is absolutely the fastest driver I saw all month long and hitting really high speeds. Came very close to getting getting the uh, uh Renis VK, four-lap average, 233.385. Alex Pelot, another fast monster out there. Four-lap average, 233.499. And our pole setter, the Iceman, Scott Dixon, who has uh former IndyCar champion, uh, certainly has his acclimates. Everybody likes Scott Dixon, me included. Uh, the, the guy from New Zealand gets uh, on the pole with an extremely fast car. And we certainly – you know, if this happens, it's been kind of rare – that we get a pole setter to win the race. It's happened, and it can happen. But Scott Dixon, that whole row one, if you're going to win the 106 running of the Indianapolis 500, you've got to go through that row one, and you've
4: got to earn it.
2: What are your thoughts, row one?
4: Yeah, I mean, Renus is fast, super quick. He led last year, last year. Um, He's certainly a contender for the win. Alex Pelot is my pick to win the Indianapolis 500 tomorrow. He, is, he learned so much, I think, in those closing laps last year where him and Elio were battling it out. And Dixon, man, Dixon's the GOAT, right? He's one of the greatest drivers of all time, but it just seems like he has Mario Andretti syndrome where we're going to look back and say the craziest stat of Scott Dixon is the fact that he only won one Indianapolis 500. So um, maybe that changes tomorrow. He's got the crew, he's got the car, he's got the talent, uh, but it's just something about Indy that always seems to bite him in the butt after winning uh, back in 2008. Yeah, I certainly remember that horrific
2: crash she was in, you know, a few years back. All right, guys, it's time for that awesome time. Steve, uh, we're going to start with you. Who's your pick to win the 101st, I mean, 106th running of the Indianapolis 500?
3: Well, I'm going to pick somebody that's gone. Um, they were quick, fast uh, early on, uh, starting a little deeper in the field, but they've done it before, and we go with Takuma Sato. All
2: right, not a bad pick at all. All right, Tony, who's your pick for the Indianapolis 500?
4: Yeah, I love the auto pick. I think he's an aggressive driver. I think he's a guy that um, knows how to get it done. I mean, he's super quick. He's going to be somebody that you're going to want to watch out for. And I'm excited to see what Sato can do. My heart says, as always, at Carpenter. But I think your winner tomorrow will come from Chip Ganassi Racing. And if I have to narrow it down, I think it's going to be Alex Pillow, the defending series champion, that a runner-up in last year's Indianapolis 500. He's had a perfect month so far outside of not winning the poll where he just barely, barely missed it. Um, I like Alex Blow to get it done tomorrow and win his first ever Indianapolis 500.
2: Well, I'll tell you what. I, I've i been baffling back and forth, and I knew I would have to make a, a decision. You know, I, 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 I like uh, VK. I like Soto. I like Will Power. I like Scott Dixon. But my – Gut. call the gut feeling what it is, and I know you gave a, a lot of reasons maybe this is not the right way to go, and I think I kind of tipped my hat earlier. Joseph Newgarden is my pick for his first Indianapolis 500 win. Uh, I just think he's due. He's been winning some great races. He's a new dad. A lot of positives around him. He's one of the, the, the fan favorites. He's a great Penske uh, ambassador. Uh, P- Penske, you can never rule out Joseph Newgarden wins the 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Well, guys, we've got to get into NASCAR talk as we get uh, talking to Charlotte. I know you got some stuff going on. It's the Legends Day down at the track. Uh, certainly a great event where all the great uh, drivers um, uh, come together for autographs. And, and uh, so there's a lot of stuff going on there. And then there's the parade today. And then there's the public drivers meeting today out of the track. Uh, So a lot of stuff going on at the track. Of course, we'll be out there uh, tomorrow and just having a great time uh, just uh, absorbing it all with Indianapolis 500. Uh, Tony, I know you you know your NASCAR, too. Who do you got for Charlotte today and tomorrow? And then we'll stay stay, uh, stay stable. We'll get get yours here in, in, in a few minutes. But, Tony, I know you got a bounce. So who's your Charlotte pick for this weekend?
4: Um, I have paid zero attention to anything NASCAR uh so give me Kyle Larson. <laughs> oh man I I I here I was trying to give you all the
2: acclimates that one could give. <laughs> but uh Tony it was great to see you out at the track yesterday out at the uh uh Caesars the sportsbook uh so we'll, we'll try to catch up with you tomorrow as well I know it's a a, a, a super Super busy day. It's going to be exciting. uh You know, full capacity. First time that's happened since uh, 2019. So, really
4: excited to, to have that. Tony, where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir? Yep. Thanks. Just check us out. Burnoutsports.com. Enjoy the race. All right, buddy. We'll see you.
2: Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast and uh, BurnoutSports.com. We hung out with him a little bit yesterday out at the Caesars uh, Sportsbook uh, VIP Lounge. That was a lot of fun. We might uh, drop in there tomorrow, depending on how hot it gets. The good thing about that, if it's hot or if it's rainy, you can dip in there. And the good thing about it is all you have to do is make some bets. So we're going to make our bets uh, today through Caesars, um, just because they were they were such a cool hosts to us yesterday. Uh, so we usually use DraftKings, but this week we'll be doing uh, the the picks with uh, Caesars. So get that uh, app; it's really easy to, to download. We'll be right back with Steve Wilson of Sweetway Digest. We're going to break down Charlotte. Uh, we call it the Double this weekend, and uh, we'll get into that conversation as well. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. This is the Field of Three on the Balance. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. Field of Thirty Three, by the way. Go back here.
0: The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom.
2: Morning face. You get it when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Good
3: morning guys. Good morning. Good morning. What is Hello. that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh my god, it talks! Right! No, it's me, Linda from HR. It looks hungry! Save the children! Save them! Stay back!
4: I've got maids! Oh, my eyes. We're
2: moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some.
0: Get twenty percent off Ikea Sultan mattresses. IKEA, love your home.
1: Oh hi. Uh hey. seen on the board. Do you guys have Black Rifle coffee here? <laughs> no, I'm sorry. We only carry good small batch coffee here. Well it is. Great small batch coffee. Well, that really can't be unless it's fresh roasted, so, I don't, I don't, you know. Well, it is fresh roasted. I don't, I don't think you know what that means. You know what this is? This is Masa Le which, of course, in the Indonesian language... Oh, let me finish. In the Indonesian language, it's weasel coffee. You just made that up. No, it's been passed through their digestive tract. That's disgusting. And then it's nature's wet processing. Yeah, but is it good? It's alright. Are they investor philanthropists? Do they support good causes?
4: Yeah, tons of causes, veterans causes
1: and first responder causes. But it doesn't matter because they make good coffee. So that's what I'm wanting. Do you have any? You know what? Actually, I'm I'm just gonna order it. They make it freshly okay. roasted. Right. Black Rifle Coffee.
4: It's good. Right now, I just need you to get real loose get comfortable grab your loved ones, or grab your love partner and if you're by yourself no worries just follow after me yeah. i want to do the two step and cowboy boogie Alright,
2: welcome back to The Balance. This is the Field of 33 special. Uh, we just had Tony Donahue of the Tony D Podcast uh, and uh, BurnoutSports.com joining us to help us break down the entire Field of 33 for tomorrow's 106th running of the Indianapolis 500. Got your Black Rifle coffee ready. I got my Freedom Fuel here. The great thing about Black Rifle Coffee is when you buy a bag, you give a bag. i got a friend whose son's in the Navy, and it's all they service, various different types of Black Rifle Coffee. Go to BlackRifleCoffee.com and get yourself set up today. During us now, Steve Wilson from Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief with Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor. Are you, are you ready? Can you do that Get Up Challenge? I want to see a YouTube video of you doing that Get Up Challenge there, Steve.
3: <laughs> I don't know about that now.
2: You know what? I tried that a couple of years ago, just to have fun with it. Yeah, that's that's not my thing. So uh, we did, we never did publish it, but hey, you know, it was it it, it was fun to try. Well, as as we know, tomorrow's the Indianapolis 500, very very special race. Uh, certainly the first time in three years that we've had full capacity here in Indianapolis. It's Been a fun month of May, it climaxes tomorrow. You have any thoughts on the Indianapolis 500 overall? Uh, before we get into the NASCAR talk,
3: well, I I just think that it's uh, it, it, you know, it's it's one of those races that everybody is, should be able to experience once in their lifetime, even if they don't get to go again. Um, mm-hmm. I, I was reading some stats on you know just how many places from around the world that people are coming to watch this race, so. Yeah, it, it's uh, you know the pageantry around it is definitely something that you know for for, for somebody that uh, follows uh, you know even even uh, you know other forms of motorsports whether it be uh, NASCAR, F1, or you know whatever the case may be, it's at least something that you should be able to experience once in your lifetime just to see it all happen in live in person. So, but I, it should I, be a I, good it. race tomorrow, and I. It should be a good race, and you know, uh, you know. I I know, you know. I'm I'm always an advocate for these races during this time of the year. The hotter, the better, because the track gets slick and it causes a little bit of uh, tire management, as well as uh, you know, a little bit better racing than if it was cooler temperatures. But that's just my thoughts on that.
2: You know, that's the second time I've heard that today. I was listening to some interviews from a a crew chiefs. I can't remember exactly who it was. Uh, but literally said the exact same thing for the most part on local television here uh, t- this morning when I was listening to that interview. But you are right. I mean, the, the harder the track, the, the harder it is. And that, that track is not an easy track on a good day for anybody. Uh, so, yeah, to add those elements, it's good. Let's hope it doesn't get too hot uh, because when you're in, in the stands, man, it, it, it'll kill it. But I think it'll be mild. At least when we'll not be dealing with rain like we were dealing with, with yesterday in and out and so we took advantage of the uh, Caesar Sportsbook. You know, you're right. People come from all over the world and we see just different interactions with people and fans. Hey, where are you from? Um, you know, Montana, or, you know, where are you from? Uh, France, Europe, all over the world. Uh, and Melissa's wearing her uh, Tennessee shirt. She's a big Tennessee fan. We won all that against her. Uh, but, uh, uh, you know, everybody's like, "Oh, hey, what part of Tennessee are you from?" I'm from here in Tennessee. I'm from here in Tennessee, so it's kind of, kind of neat. But when we walked up to the uh, local uh, broadcast uh, for here in town in Indianapolis, said uh, Derek, uh, I mean Jake Query, a good friend of the show, and as well, he's a uh, a turn announcer for the uh, IndyCar Racing Network, and he handles the morning show here. And you know, so we w- just walked up
4: there by their stage and
2: like, oh, hey, Melissa's got to sing old Rocky Top. So, uh, we broke out on old Rocky Top on Friday morning at Carb Day, and everybody was singing it. So, it's a lot of fun. And it, by the way, that was our first Carb Day yesterday. So, if you've been, I mean, there's the Indy 500, that's one thing, but the Carb Day is just a, it's a big party. I ain't going to lie, it's a big party. But we had a lot of rain yesterday coming out, and then about the time Rick Springfield put the stage, it started raining, so... We packed it up and came uh, came on home, so it's all good. But let's get into some NASCAR talk. Charlotte, uh, certainly we've got the OSCO 300. Uh, I believe Sam Mayer, Al Geiger, and Priest Barry, and Jones round up the top five uh, positions uh, out at Charlotte today. Let's break down the Charlotte uh, Speedway. In a lot of ways, Charlotte to to NASCAR is a lot like Indy uh but Daytona, I think, reserves that spot, but certainly Charlotte's right there. It's one of the best tracks, and, and, and you know, they, they started that uh, part road, part oval course, the, the Groville, Roval, whatever they call it. It's pretty cool. So uh, tell us a little bit about the Charlotte Motor Speedway and what have we got going on for today's OSCO 300.
3: Yeah, uh, you know, one thing about Charlotte Motor Speedway is, is that it's a very bumpy and uh, kind of uh, technical track to get around. We saw this last night a couple of different times in, in just how hard it is to get around there and just the bumps that you have to contend with. Uh, it caused a couple of issues last night in the truck series race. Uh, you know especially down there in turns three and four where it's a little bit bumpier so you know these these drivers they only had to contend with hundred and thirty four laps last night and you know it's just going to increase throughout the weekend as we go through this you know today uh it's it's just it's just around uh around hundred and uh eighty or so a uh about hundred and eighty or so laps that they're gonna have to worry about today um yeah, I'm sorry it's Oscar three hundred I got to do the math in my head. It's two hundred laps <laughs> oh, today. That's all right. Good lord, I'm, I, I, you know, I'm bad at math. Some days, you know, it's a. Uh... So no, they they've got a little bit longer that they got to deal with this today and then tomorrow with uh, with 400 laps around there. It's just uh, it's it's going to be crazy. You know this track is bakes in the sun. It, it's one of those tracks that you know we we're going to deal with tire issues. uh, You know as, as the track temperatures continue to get hotter throughout the weekend and today with the you know one o'clock race, it's you know we're we're right there. You know this this track is just going to bake in and it's going to cost uh you know no tire wearing and slipping and sliding and are already having to deal with the bumps around the track so you know it's gonna you know it's gonna increase you know some of these incidents that we see so we're you know while Sam Mayer may be in the poll later on uh, this afternoon you know I think it's a, you know we're gonna reserve this race for a more veteran driver that will probably come up there and, and, and come through and break through not to say that Sam Mayer may not I go out there and contend for a while, but I just really think that as this drive, as this race draws on, it's really gonna be in the wheelhouse of one of those veteran drivers that's been around this track at least a couple of times and with Sam Mayer the first time he's coming to Charlotte. Uh there's a lot of stuff that he's gonna he's gonna be learning as he'll follow uh his teammates, uh whether it's uh um Noah Gregson or uh Justin Algar, I, I just think that he'll just uh He's got a lot to learn, but uh, unfortunately, I'm 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 gonna have to put it you know, like I said again in the wheelhouse for somebody that's been around this track more than uh, uh, first time coming out to Charlotte. Not to say that it doesn't happen, you know, tomorrow night uh, in the Coke 600. You know, this track has produced ten first time winners, but it's been uh, you know it's been a couple of years since that's actually happened. So it's uh, you know it's uh, it's it's really you know a technical track to get around.
2: I'm going to give you a, a few names here, and I want you to tell me which one stands out the most for, to you as someone to look at for this season and possibly maybe even a champion, uh, but certainly one of the most talented, these are some of the most talented drivers that I've observed so far this year. I want to know what your takeaways on these uh, few drivers, Noah Gregson, Josh Berry, Brandon Jones, and Sam Mayer. Out of those handful of drivers, Who extracts themselves to be the best of the best for this year, if any of those?
3: Uh, Well, I mean, you know, Noah has always been a driver that, uh, I mean, he's broke through in victory lane this year, and, yes, he's a a favorite for the coming in. But, you know, when we look at Noah – he he he's a driver that uh, he he's run into hard luck throughout his career. Also at the same time, that's put him in situations that it, you know has diminished his chances uh, later on down the line. As far as Josh Berry goes, I think he's a he's a rising star in this sport. He he comes from the short tracks and the late models and the Junior Motorsports Late Model program around the Mid Atlantic region, and you know he he's a driver that's still kind of cutting his chops per se in the Xfinity series, in these bigger, uh, heavier cars. And uh, I, I know that he he's wanted some of the smaller tracks already, and he's trying to work his way through some of the, the, the road courses and intermediate tracks and things like that and trying to learn his way up. But I do feel like he is a rising star in this sport um, together. And, you know, Sam Mayer, he's a, he's a really young kid. He's got a long way to go, so I don't really see him as a championship contender at, at this moment. Uh, he may surprise me. He may do some things later down the line, but I really think, uh, you know, just, you know, he's, he's young. He's got a lot to learn, and, you know, out of those three, um, you know, I, I think if anybody has the best chances at this is that, you know, it comes down to Noah Gregson, and, and not to discount Brandon Jones, but Brandon Jones, unfortunately, we've seen him time and time again wreck cars, not necessarily through his own doing. He's had good runs at racetracks only to be wrecked, um, you know, by other people's incidents or a tire going down or a mechanical failure. And it just seems like when he really gets into a groove of, uh, you know, a top five or a top ten or even contending for the win, something happens that takes him out of contention of this. We've seen this time and time again out of Brandon, with Brandon Jones and that team, and it's unfortunate to them. And hopefully, they can find ways to get around this. Uh, but I think, you know, until they can kind of solve those issues over the last couple of seasons, and you know, kind of figure out like what the what they can do differently to try and get them out of some of these situations that have put him out of these races. I think that he's gonna have a hard time contending for the championships in the Xfinity Series. Although he did win the Arca race um uh yesterday afternoon. So uh maybe things are looking up for him and maybe uh and uh, that'll help him out in his pursuit for the championship in the Xfinity series. But right now until, you know, some of those incidences become less and less often, I think he's just gonna have a really hard time trying to get into the uh uh, the 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 playoffs and and especially you know to the to the final four that will contend for that championship.
2: Who wins uh, today's uh, race uh, in Charlotte? This afternoon's race, the Xfinity race. Who's your pick?
3: Uh, look, I was really impressed by Ryan Priest, and I know last night he got taken out by him and Carson Hart. Carson Hosever tangled out there as they were coming to the, uh, you know, white and checkered flag out there. And, I mean, he had some really good runs last night. So I'm going to go with Brian Priest today. That that team is, uh, while he's uh, with B.J. McLeod Motorsports, that car is prepared by uh, Stuart Haas Racing, who he is a development driver for. So, I mean, look for, you know, them to put him in top-notch equipment uh, and go out there and to be able to contend for that win.
4: You said
2: Brian Priest or Ryan Priest?
3: Ryan Priest.
2: Ryan Priest. Okay, we got you, got you down for that. All right, let's move on over to the Cup Series. Obviously, uh, not happening this year, but there's a lot of times there's been a connection between uh, the the Coca-Cola uh, 400 in the Charlotte down down in Charlotte and in the Indianapolis 500. We've had, we've seen Tony Stewart do it. We've seen uh, Kyle Busch do it. I'm sorry. And we've seen others uh, do the what we call the double where they race the Indianapolis 500, hop on a helicopter, head down to Charlotte, uh, be pumped full of uh, uh, IV liquids and, and stuff to get them ready to go. And they hop in the car and get into the Charlotte race. That's not happening this year. But something interesting is happening this year that is connected still to NASCAR. Jimmy Johnson, a rookie. Does that sound weird to you? Jimmy Johnson, a rookie, is <laughs> one of the fastest drivers out there. Uh, this year, as far as qualifications, in the middle, he's in the middle of the pack. He has a very good car. Of course, I don't know that he's going to win it, but Jimmy Johnson is starting to get noticed in the IndyCar series. You know, if he manages to win the Indianapolis 500, for example, or just really gets a championship, an IndyCar championship, and none of that's happening this year, that puts him in a very, very elite state. What are your thoughts about Jimmy Johnson? a rookie. And by the way, he still drives the 48 car.
3: <laughs> well, you know, uh, him going over to IndyCar, this is something that he for a very long time as he was even in NASCAR and just never, you know, those opportunities just never came. And I think he was more, you know, it, you look at, you know, his pursuits and his championships, seven championships. And, and you know, when you, when you kind of, culminate that with trying to do, you know, a five hundred mile race and then a six hundred mile race in the same day. I think you just really have to pick the chances of where where you're gonna do the best in, especially if you're in that hunt year and year again. You don't want to kind of diminish those chances whatsoever. So, you know, he kinda waited until he did get he retired from NASCAR to kind of jump over into the IndyCar series, did a couple tests uh, what was it at Texas and, you know, finally making some some starts uh, and, and especially this weekend in the Indy 500, you know, not to really get into the weeds of a lot of different things. But, you know, uh, we've all heard about what's going on with his sponsor of Carvana with them uh, potentially uh, with them laying people off with potentially. Uh, some bankruptcy. So, you know, maybe, uh, you know, it, it, that might be a story to watch to see, you know, kind of where his funding comes from. If they, in fact, they do go bankrupt and they do have to take their name off of that car. But, uh, you know, aside from that, you know, I wish him the best of luck and, uh, he's, he's going to have a tough field, uh, to, to try and learn that track. I mean, he's done it in stock cars, but stock cars and, uh, indie cars are much different on that race track. So, He's got a lot to learn. He's got 500 miles to learn it.
2: All right, let's talk a little bit about uh, tomorrow's race uh, and have uh, and, and have a chance to break down that race in Charlotte tomorrow. Uh, you know, we've got we've seen a lot of good drivers this year. Chase Daly is uh, leading the pack. Ryan Blaney, Kyle Busch, William Bryan, Ross Chastain, Martin Truex Jr., Jr., Joey Logano, Alex Bowman, Kyle Larson, and Christopher Bell. Um, Let's look at those those top 10 drivers. How do they do tomorrow? What are your thoughts? What are your takeaways? What are your notes? Uh notes to watch if you will. Maybe dark horses. Uh yeah, break a, break down the race us tomorrow, sir. At night under the under the lights.
3: Well, Ryan Blaney just coming off a win last week at uh, um at Texas in the All Star race and, you know, this is a race that there there's been a lot of uh, drivers that have gone on to win. Uh, both the All Star race and, and the uh, Cook 600 race, you know, Ryan Blaney, uh, Ryan Blaney could become the uh, 12th different driver to do this if if he were in fact to, uh, to um, accomplish the task. Um, so, you know, for him, I think there's a lot. You know, it, it, we just we saw um, Kyle Larson do this last year. In fact, he, he you know he won this race last year, but he also won the All Star race last year. So, you know, there, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot of pressure on him to see whether he can, uh, you know, come back out there and, uh, you know, win both races at the same time. They're a similar style track. So, you know, he's, uh, he's a, he's got all the Penske, uh, engineering and all the people behind him to make this happen. You know, Carl Larson, uh, we, we continue to talk about him. He continues to be a championship favorite. And then, like I just said a second ago, he did win this race last year. So, uh, Look out for him. You know, well, one person I know that, you know, we we haven't really talked about a lot this year is uh, Martin Truex, Jr. Martin Truex, Jr., he came within a handful of laps of leading every single lap in the Coca-Cola 600 in route to his victory just a few years ago. But the fact is he hasn't won this year. And he's kind of, uh, you know, we, we kind of see him as a driver that goes to these tracks like Charlotte or Texas or Atlanta Kansas, et cetera, and it's uh, always somebody that we talk about time and time again. But we just haven't talked about him a lot. And I know there's, uh, you know, they're they're trying to turn this program around, and there's a lot of learning that comes with this next gen car. And we've even seen this out of drivers like Kevin Harvick, who's gone 56 races already without a win. And and he just, so, you know, if you look back just two years ago under COVID, I mean, he won. Multiple races. I mean, it was every other weekend. You know, when the when the tracks were shut down and they were racing without anybody in the grandstands, it seemed to be the Kevin Harvick the Kevin Harvick show, just like it was the Kyle Larson show last year. So, you know, Kevin Harvick has won this, has won this race before. He's won it twice before. In fact, uh, he's won three times at Charlotte. So, those are two different drivers already that are that haven't won that that ha, uh, uh, not this year and, and and Kevin's case 56 races already uh that have won this race both of these I would take a take a look at them and watch them because once again you know this is a very very long race this race is going to take well over 4 hours closing in on the 5 hour mark to get to to complete and you're going to it's going to take drivers that that uh you know have the stamina and, and the technical know-how to 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 go through this race as the ch- track changes from day to night and the temperatures start to cool down. So I think, you know, you've got a couple of different drivers up there. Um, you know, I, I'm I'm really impressed with Ross Chastain this year. He's won twice already as it is coming over for the new track house racing uh, You know, he won at Coda early on this year for his very first race. And, and, you know, that team has started to really come into a groove. And I think, you know, we can potentially talk about them as, as championship contenders. But, you know, they, they've got to get through the summer months and they've got to continue getting those stage points and maybe tack up another win or two. But don't count out Ross Chastain because uh, Ross Chastain did win last night, you know, after uh, Ryan Priest and Kirsten and are tangled there. Uh, not to say that uh, he, he wasn't in contention throughout the night. He was running a quality third, uh, you know, top five, between third and top five all night long in that truck. So uh, watch out for him, uh, you know, tomorrow afternoon and tomorrow night in the Coke 600.
2: Steve Wilson, Speedway Digest, our editor-in-chief, our official NASCAR contributor. Steve, who is your official pick for the Coca-Cola five year?
3: Oh, uh, I I am going to pick Kyle Larson to do this again.
2: Kyle Larson. I like him. Likes. Good story. Where can people find your work and masterpieces, sir?
3: You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com.
2: All right, Steve, you have a good race weekend. I know I will, and uh, we'll we'll keep you updated via Twitter and text. <laughs>
3: Hey, take care and stay hydrated out there.
2: Oh, yeah. You mean not beer, though, right? (laughs) Beer is not a form of hydration. (laughs) All right, buddy. We'll talk with you soon. Have a good weekend. You too. Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, joined us for breaking down the Coca-Cola 400. Also... Uh, we have uh, had uh, Tony Donahue, I remember, field of 33. We broke down the entire field of 33. Got his pick. We got Steve's pick. Got my pick. We'll get Melissa's pick. We'll get it all up on social media. Guys, it, this is Memorial Day weekend, so let's take some time uh, for family. You know, we've had a lot go on here in the United States as far as just, you know, get close to your family. Uh, but just remember the freedoms that we have to go to the track. To enjoy the 500, to enjoy the Coca-Cola 400, or, or whatever it is that, that we do this weekend, you know, to have our cookouts and, and to have our games and, and the things that we do this weekend to kind of bring in summer. And also, Memorial Day is designed to uh, remember those that we lost uh, who, who fought for our freedoms. And so let's not forget the real meaning of this weekend. And there's a reason that the Indianapolis 500 is always on Memorial Day weekend, because they take that time to honor uh, the, the troops and the, and the uh, both, you know, foreign and domestic troops that are with the United States, but also to remember those that we have lost, who paid the ultimate price. Take time this weekend to remember why you have the freedoms that you have. My name is Tom Marquis. Enjoy this Memorial Day weekend. Enjoy the race weekend. Hopefully you'll be out at 16th and Georgetown at Indianapolis Motor Speedway. It's a special place to go. Even if you don't get there this year, get there sometime. My name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. Don't drink and drive it didn't cool. I'm out of here. Deuces.